Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of fresh fruit. We're so glad you're here. Well, when, when you hear that word, faithfulness, you probably get some different kind of mental images in your mind. When I hear this word, faithfulness, there's a couple pictures that I get. One of those is that couple that's been married for like 70 years, and, and, you, and you wonder, how, how, what, what's the secret? You know, how have you had this amazing relationship over all of this time? I also think about that guy that logged 50 years at the same place of employment, which seems to be pretty common a generation ago, and now seems like something that's just almost kind of like like a unicorn like who would actually do that you know work at the same place for 50 years or 60 years and retire from that but it's this picture that I get of faithfulness when I think about faithfulness I think about people who were faithful to brands people that had kind of brand loyalty which again was something that my grandparents had I mean anybody else have grandparents that would only be seen in a Cadillac I mean or only would drive a Chevrolet Caprice Classic that was my grandparents I mean they would only drive these Chevrolet Caprice Classics every iteration of it from my entire childhood I remember them driving a Caprice Classic but brand loyalty is a thing of the past we're not faithful to brands anymore. We have no, no brand loyalty anymore. I mean, now there are entire companies that exist to help you find the cheapest options. You know, I might stay at a Marriott, but no brand loyalty to a Marriott. Priceline says Hilton's cheaper on this next trip, so we're going with Hilton, or whatever the case might be, whereas that used to be a thing that people cared a lot more about was faithfulness to brands. I have only one brand that I'm faithful to. It's Pop-Tarts, not generic Pop-Tarts, real <laughs> Pop-Tarts. Past that, I'll take the cheapest option of anything else, but don't, you know, don't mess around with my real Pop-Tarts. Uh, you get the picture of faithfulness. It's this long-standing commitment to something. It's a dedication to a person or a product. And then you turn around, and in the Scripture today, you see this word faithfulness listed as a fruit of the Spirit. If you're with us for the very first time today, we are in this series called Fresh Fruit where we're looking at the fruit singular, not fruits, but fruit, these things, these fruit of the Spirit that we grow in, the more that we become like Jesus Christ, these fruit grow in our life, these fruit of love and joy, peace, patience. In fact, go with me to Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and you'll see this word faithfulness right there. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and against such things there is no law. So when we see this word faithfulness in Scripture, it should kind of make our, our, our eyes kind of look towards it and say, what is that all about? Faithfulness is something that's spiritual in nature. Faithfulness is not just something that I'm loyal to. It's not just kind of me having this long-standing commitment to something, but rather there's something incredibly spiritual about this practice of being 
faithful. So let's break down the word faithfulness. I'm going to take you back to grammar school. When you see the word faithfulness, you see faith and fullness. What is the root word of faithfulness? Is it faith or fullness? It's faith. Faith is the word. In fact, if you go back to the original Greek language in Galatians chapter 5, where you see faithfulness listed, it is in fact translated literally as faith. And so we are to grow in this fruit of faith in our life. So what is faith? Faith is defined in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 as we live by faith, not by sight. So to live a life of faith means that we're not living a life of sight. And that means that we can still see, but to live a life of faith means that I don't always know what's coming next. I have to trust God more than I trust myself. So by definition, the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness is this process of me growing in my faith and believing in things that I can't see. Because see, to live a life of of kind of here and now is to trust everything that I can see, to think that I'm in charge of everything. But faithfulness is this process of saying, I'm not in control. God is in control, and I'm going to remain true to him. And all of a sudden, you begin to see some incredible spiritual applications here. The implications of faithfulness means that life is not about me. And it means that life isn't always going to be as clear as I probably want it to be. Everything's not going to rise and fall with how I want it to rise and fall. And there's probably going to be some unknowns. There's probably going to be some uncertainty. There's probably going to be some junctures that I don't know what's around that corner. But I have to trust that God is there in the midst of it. Because as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, you and I live by faith and not by sight. To grow in this fruit of the Spirit means to grow in an understanding that God is in control. So let's just go ahead and address the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is that faithfulness is very underrated in our culture right now. Faithfulness is very underrated. I mean, most of us, if you listen to leadership blogs or podcasts or read, you know, books, the, the section of leadership blogs that are connected to faithfulness is really, really small. We're really interested in ideas that will make things happen really, really quickly. We're interested in a get rich quick mantra. We're interested in how to grow your organization overnight. The concept of being faithful over the long haul is not as appealing. It's not as interesting for us to think about. Celebrity gossip is not interested in the couple that's been married 40 years. We don't put that couple on the cover of People magazine. We're more interested in who's dating who and who's breaking up with who and how long did that marriage us. We knew that wasn't going to last. And that's what we're more interested in. You probably aren't surprised when you hear about a marriage that had an unfaithful partner. Or maybe you know a story about someone who kind of threw the towel in whenever things got challenging. But rather, the Bible tells us to grow in faithfulness, to grow in this fruit of faith, to trust God even when something may not be visible, to trust God even when we don't know the next step that we need to take. So to walk by faith, even when the path is not clear, is by definition faithfulness. And faithfulness may not be celebrated by culture. Faithfulness may not be celebrated in the culture that we're operating in right now, but rest assured, and you see this here on your screens, rest assured, faithfulness to God is the goal of greatest value. It may not be celebrated by culture, but faithfulness to God is the goal of greatest value. It's the goal that we should be pursuing in our life right now. If you're looking for a new goal, I know this year is almost over, it's crazy, to think about that. But if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, you didn't keep the ones in January. How about September forward? 
your goal is faithfulness. To grow in faithfulness, faithfulness to God is the goal of greatest value. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. You're going to see these words appear on the screen as well. But this is a part of Paul's letter to Timothy. And I want you to listen to what Paul said to Timothy about keeping the faith and about the importance of faithfulness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm picking up in verse 5. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who long for his appearing. Now, these again are some kind of departing thoughts from Paul to Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy to keep his head in the game in all situations. He's saying, you're going to endure some hardships, Timothy. But there's this subtle promise that I've gone through some of these things, life isn't easy, and yet God was there with me in the midst of it all. Timothy, life is not going to be all that you want it to be. Everything is not going to go the way that you want it to go. If you're looking for a problem-free life, you're looking for something that doesn't exist. And then Paul uses himself as the example. And he says, my life has already been poured out on the work of ministry. And I have fought the good fight. And I have kept the faith. He says, and then in store for me is a crown of righteousness. What is that all about? What is Paul saying there? See, Paul is saying he's giving us a clear picture of why faithfulness is important because, see, faithfulness is important, and it's the goal of greatest value because on the other side of faithful living are eternal rewards. He says, I fight the good fight, I keep the faith because what is to come is something that I can't even describe. It's this eternal blessing. It's this eternal reward. Now, throughout this series, we've tried to not only give you the definition of these fruit of the Spirit, but we've also tried to give you a definition of what they're not. And so, obviously, the easiest kind of opposite of faithfulness is unfaithfulness. And you're like, yeah, it didn't take a rocket scientist to come up with that definition. The opposite of faithfulness is unfaithfulness. But if we dig a little bit deeper, if you go with the definition of faith according to Scripture, that faith is the evidence of what is not seen, then unfaithful living If I want to live a life of unfaithfulness, then it would mean that my life is marked by only the things that I can see. I live every moment for the here and now. If I see it, that's what I believe. If I see what's happening, I think I'm in charge of it. If I see kind of the next step, I'm the one who determines what step needs to be taken next. I'm the one who is in charge. See, unfaithful living only operates in the here and now. But rather, faithful living has a long-term view. It's a long-term view of what God wants to do in my life. To only live for what I can see for the here and now, by definition, is unfaithful living. Unfaithful living says at the first sign of any challenge, I'm out. Whereas Paul says, hardships, check, they're going to come. Challenges, check, they're going to come. More on that here in just a second, by the way. (laughs) But I'm going to remain faithful to what God wants to do in my life. It's been my experience that most of us highly underestimate what can happen in the long haul in our life. We highly underestimate what can happen if we're faithful over the long term, and we really overestimate what can happen in the short term. Because what do we want? We want what we want, and we want it now. We want to make a life of impact, don't you? 
You want your life to count. You want to be a part of significant things. You just wanted it to happen quickly. Whereas by definition, faithfulness is this kind of concept of trusting God through the highs and through the lows. We underestimate what can happen when we're faithful for the long haul. And we overestimate what can happen in the short term. See, God wants us to be faithful through it all, to have this long-term view, this long-term approach to what it is that he wants to do in our life. I think about Mike Mentor, who was here preaching last week. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to Mike Mentor's message. Mike has faithfully been preaching the Word of God longer than I have been alive. And wasn't he a blessing? So wise. I love every opportunity that I can sit under his teaching or sit knee-to-knee with him and I, I think to myself, he, he has forgotten more scripture than I feel like I know. He's so wise. And he's, he, he's faithful. And he's, he's the embodiment of what it means to live a faithful life. And I'm sure if you were to ask him, were there times that you wanted to quit? He would say yes. Were there times that you thought, is it really worth it? He would say yes. But praise God, he had a vision to say, I want to see what God will do in my life if I'm faithful for the long haul. I think about one of my elementary Sunday school teachers whose name was Betty Sinners. And Betty Sinners is an incredible lady. She taught me some incredible truths of God. She, in fact, taught me these little jingles, me and other kids in my church that I grew up in. She taught us these little jingles to help us remember the books of the Bible. And I've still got them up here, and I can say the Old Testament and the New Testament to the little jingle that Betty taught me. I'll do that later for you if you want to. Just meet me outside. She taught us these little trivia games to help us memorize truths of scripture. And the thing about Betty is she wasn't cool at all. She wasn't cool then, she's not cool now. None of you have ever heard of her. Is she could be sitting in this room and you would not know her at all. But what I love about Betty is that Betty had a very long-term approach to faithfulness. A very long-term dedication to being obedient to what God has called her to do. How do I know that? Because she still teaches Sunday school at the little church that I grew up in. And she's still, decades after decades, pouring in to the next generation. It's not glamorous. It's not notable. The world would say it's not significant. But God sees that faithfulness. And her faithfulness has radically changed my life. And I look out across this room and I see men and women who have also been faithful to what God has asked them to do. I also see men and women that God has something in store for you that he wants you to be faithful to that you haven't stepped up to just quite yet. I hope and pray that God would show you what those things are. And whether it's serving in family ministry, whether it's serving with JMI, whether it's serving in our community, whether it's fulfilling whatever it is that God has placed in front of you right now, that you would say, I want to step up and be faithful. And I want to see for the long haul what it is that God can do in my life if I'm faithful to him. But here's the deal. Like all the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness probably more so than any, it presents us some challenges because growing in these fruit of the Spirit does not happen quickly. These are not overnight successes. You do not get the award for faithfulness by showing up one time. And the award for faithfulness goes to that guy. He showed up one time. That's not how faithfulness is rewarded. Most of us have a much shorter time frame in mind. We just underestimate, like we've said already, what can happen if we're faithful over the long haul. 
opposed to something that's just here and done. It's kind of like pot roast, and I realize that I'm just equivalating your life to pot roast. But it's kind of like pot roast. I mean, there's a couple ways that you can cook pot roast. Buy yourself a pot roast, and here's, here's way number one. Put it in a pan, put it in the oven, crank the oven up to about 500 degrees, and in a couple hours, it will be cooked. It will be edible. I won't say it's going to be good, but it will be cooked. Or there's option number two. Put it in a pan, set the oven for about 175 degrees, and leave it for about 10 hours, 8 hours, 12 hours while you're at work, and then you come home, and it's not just edible, it's delectable. Why? Because time is flavor. And something happens in that long-term approach, in that long-term cooking process. You put some time into it, and you see what happens. See, faithfulness doesn't happen quickly. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I can't do that. I struggle with that, Pastor Jason, because see the pace of my life, my job, these kids. I can't really be faithful beyond this moment. I can only kind of see here and now in this moment. But the reality is, it's been my experience. It's certainly been my experience, and maybe it's yours as well. The reality is, and you see this here on your screen, is that you're faithful to many things, whether you realize it or not. You're faithful to many things, whether you realize it or not. I mean, look at Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, whatever has the highest place of value in your life, that's what you tend to follow after, which, i.e., tends to be what you're faithful to. The things that have the highest value are what we tend to follow after, what we tend to be faithful towards. Some of us as parents may not have put any thought behind what happens in our kids' lives from a spiritual perspective over the long haul, but we put a lot of thought about what could happen in our kids if they are committed to dance for their entire life. We have a long-term vision for what their dance career could look like and a short-term vision or no vision at all what might happen in their life from a spiritual perspective. And yet, the reality is we should be putting more thought towards that than to this. How about compound interest? I wish someone would have explained compound interest to me a long time ago, a lot earlier than they did. What's compound interest? It's you just let money do its thing. And over time, it just starts compounding up on top of itself. It's, it's this process that happens over time. Some of you have been faithful to Grey's Anatomy for all 47 seasons. <laughs> and you were faithful from the beginning all the way to the end. Football season is in full effect right now, and some of our emotions rise and fall during football season based on the performance of 19-year-olds. And sometimes we need to just settle a little bit. <sighs> Simmer. We're faithful to our team. See, I don't think that faithfulness by definition is the issue at all. The issue is what are we faithful to? Faithfulness isn't the issue. Most of us have a real clear understanding of what we're faithful to. The question at hand is, are we faithful to the right things? Are we faithful, or is our faithfulness directed in the right direction? Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, because in Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, some light is shed on what happens in our life when the pursuit of faithfulness is our goal. This is so good. Listen to the writer of Proverbs. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You see these fruit of the Spirit, love and faithfulness, that we are to write them on the tablet of our heart. And when we do so, the Scripture says we will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So according to these verses, faithfulness unlocks favor. Faithfulness unlocks favor in our life. A pursuit of faithfulness means that favor happens in my life. When I bind love and faithfulness and write them on the tablet of my heart, I win favor with God and man. How cool is this? The Bible says that a faithful life is not only pleasing to God, but a life of faithfulness allows you to grow in favor with other people. You become more respected by other people. You become a person that other people come to for insight. Other people come to you, and they want you to help them out with something. They want to kind of run ideas by you. They come to you for counsel and help. It's kind of like if you're a new teacher. If you're a new teacher and you're in your first year of your teaching career and you've kind of faced an obstacle, the last person you want to talk to is another new teacher because they're right there with you. You want somebody that's got a few years behind them. If you're having a marital issue, you don't go to premarital counseling or you don't go to counseling with someone who's a newlywed because they think everything is awesome. And you realize, no, you you need to live a little bit of life. If you're having a challenge at your workplace, you don't want advice from the person who sits in the cube next to you who's also been there for six months. You want somebody who's had a little bit of tenure there. They can help you navigate through some of those things. And see, this is what Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 is saying, that Faithful living, when we write that on the tablet of our heart, we grow in favor with God and man. And God begins to use us, and our influence begins to get even larger. And God begins to use us in in ways that we can't even describe. And it's so meaningful, and it's so rich. Now, another benefit of faithfulness that's actually pretty overlooked these days, but when we write faithfulness on our heart, And when we live faithful living, see, when that faithfulness goes up in our life, there's some things that tend to go down. Stress, worry, fear, and ego always go down. When you grow in faithfulness, when faithfulness goes up, stress, worry, ego always go down. I'm not going to make you raise your hands this morning, but it's possible that some of you in here would would honestly say, my life has too much worry. (laughs) My life has too much stress. My ego is a little bit too big right now. My life is bound by fear. See, if worry and stress and fear and ego are taking control of your life, it's possible that when faithfulness goes up, those things are going to go down. How so? Because all of those things, stress, worry, fear, and ego, have at the center of them you. Me, myself, and I. And what did we say faithfulness was? Faithfulness was trusting God. It's confidence in what we cannot see. And so when that faithfulness increases, these things will decrease. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is confidence. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. It's that confidence in what we hope for. It's that assurance in all those things that we cannot see. So see, my worry is going to decrease Because, see, a faithful life is perfectly content in not knowing all the details. When you live a life of faithfulness, you don't know all the details of your life. You don't know what all is going to happen. And so because you don't know all that's going to happen, your worry tends to go down because you just realize, I don't need to know all the details anymore. It's why it's so refreshing to 
be in conversation with someone who's lived a lot of life. And they kind of present themselves in a way, and this is in essence what they're saying is this too will pass. You bring to them all of your problems and they just kind of smile. And they're like, mm-hmm, this too will pass. Yeah, they're not going to be in diapers forever. It passes. Or they're not going to be in that season forever. Or you're not always going to have that challenge at work. And that worry tends to decrease as that faith increases. If you struggle with ego, see that ego is always going to go down when you're faithful to God. Because when you're faithful to God, you realize you're not in charge. And you realize you're not the one calling the shots. And you realize you're really not as good as you thought you were. And life really doesn't center around me. And life doesn't really rise and fall with me. And that fear goes down because you realize God is sovereign. And he's the one holding it all together. And so that start of Hebrews 11 reminds us that faith is the confidence in what we hope for. It's the assurance of what we do not see. And if you go on in Hebrews chapter 11, which is ultimately called the Faith Hall of Fame, and you see all of these beautiful pictures in Hebrews chapter 11 of these characters that grew in these really incredible levels of faith, people like Moses and Abraham and Gideon and some incredible stories. And we love the faith chapter, but we really like the parts that just tell us about what all these people did and how awesome their faith was. And we don't put as much thought to verses 36 through 40, but you can't look at Hebrews chapter 11 without isolating in on verses 36 through 40. So this is right on the heels of all of these incredible stories of faith. Pick up verse 36. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It's awesome to celebrate the faith stories, but then this whole, because of my faith, I might be sawed in half, yikes. A life of faith means that sometimes I'm going to be insulted, that there's going to be jeers that are hurled towards me, that my life isn't always going to be filled with these moments where everything is awesome all the time. See, because of a life of faith, you and I have got to realize as we grow in faithfulness, we must understand that a faithful life is not an easy life. A faithful life is not an easy life. You make a commitment today to live a life of faith, and you're making a commitment to live a life that's going to be challenging. It's going to have some adversities. There's undoubtedly going to be some times that you're going to want to quit. But when you want to quit, remember who called you. When you're wondering, is it really worth it? Can Jesus really be trusted? Follow his example. And when we follow the example of Jesus, we see just how faithful Jesus was. I mean, go with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. You're going to see these words up here as well. Listen to what Jesus did for us. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When you and I follow the example of Jesus, 
we're following an example of he did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, so he made himself nothing, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why did Jesus do that? Jesus did that because he loves you. Jesus did that because he loves me. It was his act of faithfulness to follow what it is that God had for him. God sent his one and only son to this world to save the world from their sins. And Jesus was obedient to the point of death on a cross. It's the power of the gospel. And you and I are to follow after the example of Jesus, to consider others more important than ourselves. If you're here this morning and you're hearing these words of the gospel and you're realizing that that truth is not something that you've quite yet grasped, just know how thankful I am that you're here. And I hope and pray that today would be the day that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God makes this really clear to you and helps you to understand that he did not want you to be held captive by your sin anymore, which separates you from God, but through the power of Jesus Christ, you can receive that forgiveness of sins. And because Jesus resurrected from the dead, he, he conquered everything that this world had, meaning he conquers all the sin in our life. And he wants to set you free. He wants to make you whole. And if you're here and you've yet to experience that, I would love for you to do me a favor. Write that on that card that you'd love to talk to somebody about that this week. Or after our service today, you can stick around. A member of our prayer team would love to pray with you, to share with you the truth of the gospel. And you and I seek to follow that example of Jesus, to be faithful. Why? Because he is faithful. Oswald Chambers says that faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Is it possible that God's doing something in your life right now that you don't understand? It's likely. Is it possible that there's some uncertainty in your life right now that, that you don't know why things are happening the way that they're happening or you don't know why things have not happened the way that you wanted them to happen? It's entirely possible that God's growing you in character in ways that you don't understand at the time. Why? Because Isaiah 53 says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And he's at work even when we can't see it, but you and I have confidence in the character and nature of God. I can be confused and still have faith. I can be uncertain and still have faith. I can be in the midst of a challenge and still have faith. And so I want to close today by encouraging you in this. Faithfulness looks forward. Faithfulness looks forward. Faithfulness doesn't look behind. Faithfulness is not defined by the here and now, but faithful living is a life that's looking forward. It's saying, what is it that God wants to do? It's why Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I forget what's behind and I strain toward what's ahead. Pressing towards, pressing forward towards the goal for which God has called me heavenward. Maybe there are some things that have happened in your life that are holding you back right now. Or maybe it is just this, this kind of low season of life. And, and you're struggling and you're wondering, how can I remain faithful? My hope and my prayer is that you would forget those things and move forward. Because the goal is forward, not behind. We're faithful because of what is to come. Not of what is behind. I don't have to remind you that life is really short. So, so short. In the grand scheme of life, we think that we'll be here forever. We think that we have all the time in the world. 
But we've got this little short season of life. Our life is but a vapor that's here and gone. It's so brief. It's so fleeting. It's so passing. And so seeing that it is so precious and that it is so short and that the time is so limited, how about we make a commitment today to say, with every breath that I have, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful in my relationships. I'm going to be faithful to my family. I'm going to be faithful to the calling that God has placed on my life. I'm going to be faithful to the mission that Jesus has called me to, the commission that he has invited me to be a part of. And so my hope and prayer is that all of us would make a commitment right now to say, with the time that I have, I'm going to grow in faithfulness. I'm not going to look behind, but I'm going to look forward. I'm not going to be held captive by all the things that have, that have held me back, but rather I'm going to push forward knowing that God is with me and that God is in control and that God is writing a story that I may not understand, but I'm going to make that deliberate attempt to say my confidence is in the character of God. I don't understand all the time what you're doing, God, but I want to trust you and I want to grow in you. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History and Parenting podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.